The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome to Trouble Tuesdays here on Passion. Tuesdays, the night that I reserve to answer all of your questions about sex, love, relationships, about how you're coping now. If you want uh, some uh, tricks, tools, what have you, you can call in. It's also your space to vent if you'd like, to give your own feedback to some of the uh, questions that get asked here as well, especially if it's something that you've experienced. It's always nice to share with the rest of the passion community. Think of this as like one big, um, I don't want to say therapy group, but support group. Let's just, uh, let's just say 514-800 to text in. You can call me as well and would love to hear some voices. Uh, 514-790-0800. Uh, you can also email me anytime to laurie at drlaurie.com. And I do get quite a few uh, that people who choose that, which is good because it's where they can give a, a little bit more details than, uh, than through a text. But of course, calling me, you can give me as much detail as you want. And remember that it's always uh, anonymous. That's the beauty of radio. Nobody knows your name. You can be whoever you want to be. I never use names in, um, even though when you email me, I can see your name. I will never say your name on the radio. All right. So here's one. I've written to you previously regarding my having had phimosis and that I had corrected it with the use of Betaderm topical steroid cream. I had created a health unlock profile on which I had uploaded a photo of my foreskin after having used the cream for a few months, asking for people's suggestions as to what I could do to shorten the foreskin, which was now quite long, and found that someone on Reddit had tagged the photo and was using it in a thread about possibly using Betaderm creams for restoring foreskin for men who had previously been circumcised. What are your thoughts on this? Do you believe that a cream could in fact be used in this manner? Uh, if you conduct a Google image search with the word Famosa's Betaderm, you will see the Reddit article I'm referencing along with my photo. So I did not go looking for your, your photo, just wanted to tell you that. I, I don't need to look at a photo. I know what Famosis looks like. Uh, so for those listening, um, Famosis is basically when the foreskin is uh, somehow fused to the head of the penis. And so a retraction of the foreskin in an uncircumcised man is difficult. This could make um, uh, erections uh, painful depending on how severe the phimosis is. So the cream you're talking about is a topical steroidal treatment for that's often given for stenosis. In fact, it has a really, really good success rate uh, above 80% uh, with this treatment. And, uh, basically it, it softens, like it, you can, you massage the foreskin with this cream and it softens it. So the foreskin, so that it is easier to retract what's happening with you here is because you've loosened the foreskin. Now you're thinking, now you're seeing that it, it is longer than what you are, um, used to, but that's very different than, uh, trying to grow a foreskin on a circumcised penis. 
creams do not grow foreskin. You don't magically get more skin because you've applied uh, this cream. So I don't buy into that. I don't think that you can restore a foreskin. It Again, in certain circumcisions, there still may be uh, some, uh, you know, some people have a tighter, uh, foreskin, other people have a little looser skin. Uh, so it's not going to give you more skin. That's the, the bottom line. Um, but it is very helpful for, uh, for phimosis. Now, as for your, uh, long, um, foreskin, I'm not, I don't think that anything can be done short of a surgical intervention if it really is bothersome but if you can retract it then it shouldn't be a problem because in in an erect state the foreskin retracts uh, all the way allowing the head of the penis to to come out so um, I'm not sure if there's a, a different kind of issue going on there but that's about it. 514-800. If you have a question for me, you can send it here to 514-800. That's uh, the text line, so feel free. Uh, hi, Lori. Love your show. Always good advice. Thank you. I worked in a women's retail boutique before this pandemic. Question, how is retail ever going to be the same? I'm terrified to go back to work. I have a compromised immune system and had to be really careful before. And how will we be able to help customers with clothing or anything for that matter? For instance, if they try on clothing or shoes, what is to be the protocol? throw it out or wash it before putting it back on the rack with the distance thing. And how are we to tell if they have COVID or not? Just can't see it. I think retail shopping is going to change big time. I have to agree with you. I think during this time, people are getting very used to online shopping. It's our only option right now, right? So online shopping is going to, I think, uh, be far bigger than, uh, than retail shopping. Maybe it's going to change our shopping habits as well like is it bothering anybody that you're not out out there shopping I know I talked to so many people who have saved a lot of money um because they're just not the stores are closed right so uh shopping not because necessarily you need anything but shopping for sport <laughs> or shopping for fun or retail therapy or whatever you want to call it so I don't know like in your case Again, I'm not no expert in COVID or anything like that, but in your case, I would think you might want to maybe find a different kind of job, which might be better for you, where you're not so exposed to a lot of people. In a store, you're exposed to a lot of people. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to be. No one knows. Are people in out there going to have to wear masks and gloves all the time now? Is this like who can predict? where it's how long it's going to be and and what is going to be our new normal i certainly know that for many of us like just these guidelines and and um and and hygiene that we're doing a lot of is i hope it's going to keep up because this keeps away other things like in like just the regular flu and stuff like that so it, it still protects us so it's some maybe this is a good thing that we're all learning this but as to how far it's going to go or how long it's going to last or what businesses are going to open and not open and how soon, I couldn't even venture 
a guess. Anybody else wants to uh, weigh in on this? And, and, and if you have your own thoughts about the retail business, um, let me know. Hey, we can talk about uh, anything. Uh, she Somebody wrote in, uh, she should take leave of absence due to her health. She qualifies for many programs, even under CSST. So there's something for you to think about is uh, at least getting money uh, to survive until uh, until things get back to a, a position where you can go back to work. But if you're immunocompromised, I believe you could get a letter from a doctor and not not be forced to go back to uh, to that kind of job, I, I think, I would think. Anyway, uh, coming up, uh, oh, interesting question about um, urinating during intercourse. You think that's possible? Well, this person seems to think he did. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Uh, Trouble Tuesdays here on the program. So uh, your questions uh, answered tonight. 514-800 to text in or you can call in at 514-790-0800. So here's a question. Hi, Dr. Lori. Um, I heard you on the uh, Pornhub podcast, and you were one of my favorite guests. So for those who don't know, I did a podcast with one of the podca- uh, podcasters from Pornhub. She's actually a uh, porn star there. Uh, that being, I do have a question for you. Today, while having sex with my partner, I accidentally urinated in her mouth. This is something that has never happened before and was not intentional. Furthermore, everything I'm reading online says that something like this shouldn't be possible for men. So my question is, is this something I should be worried about? Obviously, I don't want to urinate inside my partner in the future or on her unintentionally. Lastly, I do have very good control over my ejaculations. And just prior to this happening, I had stifled an orgasm ejaculation. And I'm also wondering if that might have been part of it. Any answer or information would be greatly appreciated. So, I don't know, something doesn't seem quite right because it's not really possible for a guy that has no underlying issue to urinate when they are in an aroused state. There's a natural mechanism in place for men whereby the the sphincter at the base of the bladder closes when there is an erection. So it prevents the urine to pass into the urethra. But you need to check with a medical doctor to see if you have any kind of underlying condition. Now, I've seen this in men who suffer from incontinence because of a removal of the uh, prostate. So I don't know if you've ever been incontinent. Are you absolutely sure it was uh, urine? Um, I say if it happens again or you have trouble controlling your bladder, then definitely get help from a urologist and see what the heck is going on there. In the meantime, though, empty your bladder before sex and maybe choose positions that don't put pressure on your bladder, even though this was oral. I I don't know. Anyway, Um, and then also practicing Kegel exercises. We often talk about Kegel exercises for um, for women, but it's also really good for, uh, for men and, and bladder, uh, bladder control. 
I got this little uh, public service announcement sent in from a listener. Wanted to let you all know that Scott Sternthal has initiated an exciting event called the COVID Classic for this coming Saturday. See Facebook COVID Classic for more info. Already thousands raised for COVID-related emergency funds with over 200 runners. So if you're a runner, this is good for you. Runners can run as many as five kilometer laps, as many as as many five kilometer laps as they want for a 12-hour period. Uh, please promote a great event for a great cause. There you go. Uh, so somebody says, I'm, it's not easy, but I am able to pee when I have a heart on in the morning. But it's not the same in terms of arousal. And usually you have to wait a little bit before you uh, can urinate. And if you notice, it isn't easy, but you have to relax. Like you're not, when you have the erection in the morning, it's not because you are sexually aroused. It's a different mechanism that, that that's happening right there. But even that, right? Um, another texter says it is possible, highly not recommended. Urine in vagina is asking for problems. Well, urine, yes, uh, but I, I'm not sure how possible it is. Something else to me, something else is, is going on there. Uh, yes, possible to urinate with erection. Ask any guy who goes to pee after ejaculating still erect. If you hit inside the toilet on first squirt, you are a winner. <laughs> Well, um, okay, if, uh, if you say so, although losing control of your bladder, uh, something should be checked in there. There was a guy I had the hots for so badly that I told him I want him, I wanted him to urinate my mouth, but he couldn't, he could only ejaculate. Exactly. That's, that's how the mechanism actually, uh, works. 514-800, if you have a question or a comment and you want to uh, to send it in, please do. Okay, uh, I, dear Dr. Lori, I have been spending the last week or so watching your videos on YouTube and anywhere else I can find them, and I've learned so much about myself. I would like to say I am a very straight woman, but even as a straight woman, I can notice another woman who is sexy and beautiful. Oh, and you certainly are, aren't you sweet? I'm 55 myself, but can easily pass for, for younger. Your videos opened up a whole new me. I give myself great orgasms and feel good about myself in general. I am single, not really looking, and found it is okay not to be avidly looking for a relationship, even at 55. I'm flattered when guys of all ages take a double look at me or check it, check me out, but at, but at one time, at times, felt a bit uncomfortable because I know what can go, go through a male mind, but they are engineered like that. Your videos have helped me understand much more about me. I am normal, not alone in some of my more naughty thoughts. I can only add this. Teens and women of all ages should watch the videos. You do not have to agree with everything, but for sure you will get a better understanding of sex, love, and relationships and to love yourself. I can say this with total honesty. I love you and thank you. P.S. You should get that poet to write you something simple, something people can remember easily and recite to themselves when feeling a bit distraught. <laughs> okay, well, there's an idea, like a mantra. So passion poet, that's your next uh, task, is to create some kind of mantra that people could 
make themselves feel better with. So you're talking about all the videos I've done on YouTube. So of course, if you Google my name, uh, you will come across many, 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 many videos uh, that pe- other people have uploaded, right? So like I've done a lot of interviews with people and such that um, have been uploaded to, to YouTube, not necessarily on my own channel, although you can subscribe to my channel, but I'm, I have to admit I'm not all that good at keeping up with uh, content uh, when it comes to that. But the ones that have gotten a lot of viewing have been my TEDx talks. So uh, if you want to help me out, you can help me out big time. We are, one of my TEDx talks on sexuality is, uh, has almost a million views. We're about maybe 10,000 short of a million views. So if you uh, could go watch it and share it, that would be awesome. You'd be doing me a favor. And not that it matters whether I get to a million or two, whatever it is just for fun, just to be able to say, oh, got a million views on this. So that means a lot of people learning too. That was the whole point of doing these uh, TEDx talks as well. So I've done two. One of them, for some reason, got way more views than than the other. But the one that got that many views, I think, is the one I did in Montreal because I did one also in um, uh, Wyoming, which was that they invited me there to do a TED talk as well. So that was, that was fun. All right. Uh, I've been asked to do the golden shower. Didn't do anything for me. So, you know, that guy talked about, he wasn't talking about golden showers, two different things, right? The golden showers is a fetish that some people have. They, uh, they either like urinating on somebody or enjoy being urinated on. Yeah. I'm sure many of you are going, that's gross, disgusting. How could anybody like that? But you know, you have to always have to say like, don't yuck someone else's. Sometimes you just don't understand it and it's okay. As long as it's not hurting anybody, it's done with consent. It's safe. It's legal. Uh, yeah, it may be gross to you, but other people can get off on that. So he wasn't talking about that. That was deliberate urination on a partner. He was talking about losing control, losing his, uh, losing bladder control inadvertently. Like he, he did not want to do this. So to me, that says that that's a whole other issue, or there may be some underlying issue, um, with that. Maybe that's, um, that's what. Question, how do I know if I have a yeast infection? I thought I had one a few years ago and used an over-the-counter remedy. It went away, or so I thought. This time, the symptoms are different, so I'm unsure if it really is one. I have thick discharge that is white and has a distinct odor that gets stronger throughout the day. It's pretty itchy. That's the big difference from the last time. I wasn't itchy at all then. What are the symptoms of a yeast infection, and how do I know if, um, I have one. So some of the common symptoms of, uh, of a yeast infection, um, include things like vaginal itching, burning during urination or burning with, uh, sex, pain during intercourse, soreness, swelling around the vagina, sometimes even a rash, um, a thick discharge like you describe also, uh, but one that doesn't have a foul smell. So it may feel, it may smell stronger, but not foul, foul meaning like a fishy smell kind of thing. 
so if the discharge has a foul odor and is more on the yellow side rather than white, then, then you're dealing with probably a bacterial infection and not a yeast infection. So, um, if you suspect you have a yeast infection, using the over-the-counter antifungal treatment is a good place to start. You can get repeated yeast infections. So you may have had one years ago, it, cure, it, it cleared up, and then you got another one for whatever reason. And maybe you, your symptoms may not have been as severe, possibly. Uh, but to prevent them for people who do get them more frequently, a couple things you might want to consider is wearing cotton underwear. You, really what you have to think about is keeping the area, the vagina, in as dry as possible. Like, um, you know, if you're, if you're working out, make sure you take off your sweaty clothes right after. Don't, don't, keep, you know, don't stay in your sweaty clothes. Loose fitting clothes is a good idea. Uh, Putting any kind of vaginal uh, perfumes or sprays or douching, bad idea. Uh, so that's not good. Uh, washing your the area after you have intercourse is also a very good idea. Uh, often uh, some women get yeast infections when they uh, are treating um, some kind of uh, uh, infection. So so they when they're on antibiotic medication. So that's something also to think about when you are on uh, taking antibiotics. Then take at the same time probiotics. So that kind of uh, you know, uh, can maybe help you with that. Uh, sometimes a birth control pill can also do that. So you, you may want to talk to your doctor about that and see if you need to switch birth control pill pills. So all you need to remember is that yeast develops in moist and warm environments. So keeping the area as dry as possible and less sweaty as possible. And then, you know, you, you, you may be able to prevent to some, uh, to some degree. So there is treatment for it though. That's the, that's the important thing. Uh, coming up where to get STI testing for a, uh, a young adult that that's coming up after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised from the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Trouble Tuesdays tonight on the show, which means I reserve this night to answer all of your questions about sex, love, and relationships and talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. If you're stressing out over uh, the pandemic and you're going a little stir crazy, pick up the phone, call me, we can talk, 514-790-0800 or text me your question, 514 514- 800. I'm 19 years old and just recently became sexually active. I've been safe and used condoms with each partner, but I still think it's responsible to get started to, to start getting tested at least until I settle down. I still see my pediatrician and I don't have a GP yet, so I'm not really sure where to go or who to ask. I don't really want to get my parents involved. Where should I go get tested and what should I expect? I'm not just nervous about finding one. I'm anxious about the procedure as well. So first of all, yay for practicing safe sex always. I'm very proud of you. That's very good. So first of all, if you are a student 
you should look into, maybe not at this very moment, but uh, into the health, uh, student health services department. So every university, for example, has, um, or college has a health services department where they offer uh, testing and they have uh, nurses on staff. You can check your hospital's infectious disease clinic. So they offer those there. And the, our hospitals here have them. You don't need parental consent or anything like that. First of all, you're uh, you're eighteen. You're over eighteen. So, uh, and, and by the way, medical consent in here in uh, in Quebec is age fourteen. So you can see a doctor without the consent of your parents. You can even have an abortion without your parents knowing. Uh, unless you need hospitalization, if you need hospitalization, then parental uh, consent is necessary. If not, you do not. So uh, there's also STI testing done at youth clinics. Head and Hands, for example, has a youth clinic. There's we have youth clinics in Montreal. So if you Google youth clinics, you will find them where they have doctors on staff, or maybe once, you know, a couple times a week or whatever, and they'll they'll tell you when to go to go get that, uh, that done. Now it's recommended that women under 25 get yearly testing at least for chlamydia and gonorrhea. So uh, that's important, but it's very simple. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's really quick. It's really simple. You'll be tested for the common STIs like chlamydia, gonorrhea, HIV, and, and herpes, and syphilis, and all of that. Testing is done either through a simple blood test, a urine sample, or a swab. If you have an infected area, they're going to swab. If they find like something, or you know that you have like a wart or some kind of sore, they will swab that and, uh, and do, uh, some testing. The other thing that's really important is for you to consider, uh, getting a pap test every few years. So, um, I think your first pap test doesn't have to be just yet, but this pap test is the, the most important, um, screening tool that exists for now for um, making sure uh, women don't develop cervical cancer. So it will, it will test, they take a, a, a little pinch of your cervix and if the cells are abnormal, then they send you for a colposcopy, which is to get rid of the abnormal cells, which are usually due to, um, to an HPV infection. Remember that HPV, like condoms don't protect you from HPV, the human papillomavirus. So it's really important for sexually active women to get regularly tested with a, with a pap. Now you need to ask your doctor how often you need to get them. Well, you, you certainly don't need them more than once a year, but I'm not sure what the the Canadian, uh, the OBGYN uh, society is recommending right now because that can change with time. So the last time I heard, I think it was every, every second year. Uh, and if there's an issue, then you obviously have to do it more, um, more regularly. Uh, Texter writes, and you would think there would be a home STI testing kit by now. You can get pregnancy tests, diabetes tests. Why not a home STI test? Bravo to that young man for having safe sex. Agreed, 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 agreed. Although I don't know if it was a man or, or a woman, couldn't tell. Um, 
you're right. There's, but I, I think they're probably people are working on 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 screenings that can be done at home. There's no question, but it's just not a standard thing. Like you're right. Wouldn't it be nice if you can go to the pharmacy and go to the where they sell pregnancy tests, where they actually have the same kinds of tests, but to screen for all these things. So for sure, that would be, uh, that would, that would save also in the long run, I think, in terms of uh, health, our healthcare. What are your thoughts on Vagisil pH balance, shower gels and Vagisil wipes? Is it helpful or harmful? You know, it, it's, it may not be here nor there. It might hurt your wallet more than it hurts anything else. Your vagina does not need any kind of special soap. It doesn't need anything. The, it, it certainly needs nothing on the inside. And you want to make sure that you're, you actually don't change the pH levels or whatever hormone balance in there and douching for example would would be uh, problematic in that respect but you don't need special shower gels and special vaginal wipes it's ridiculous it just you need a some mild soap and water to the outside and that's it so you really don't need all that stuff would it harm you? I, the wipes they're 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 good for the outside and the shower gels for the outside they're not going to harm you, but they're useless. Like, I don't think they're, they bring any, any benefit really. So you probably wasting, wasting some money there. About eight months ago, my girlfriend broke up with me. Our relationship wasn't perfect, but she was the person I thought I'd be together with for the rest of my life. She was my longest and most significant relationship by far. I'd only dated girls here and there before. I knew it would take a while to get over her, but I could before I could start dating again. A couple of months ago, I started to feel like it was time to get out there again recently, but I'm having trouble meeting someone I like. Meeting people is not the problem. I've met some women who showed interest through friends and I'm on some apps like Hinge and Tinder. My problem is that I just find the whole thing exhausting. I met my ex on OkCupid and I don't remember finding it exhausting then. It was actually exhilarating. I know I have to be patient, but I feel like I'm not even giving anyone a chance with how tired I feel. How can I shake off my cynicism and irritability? Anybody else want to weigh in on this and help? My advice is take a break. Just take a break. Uh, Some people get, you know, uh, like just dating fatigue. There is such a thing, you know, as just dating fatigue and dating is hard work <laughs> like for uh, finding the the partner you want to spend your life with or finding someone serious can feel like hard work there's a lot of investment especially in these days where you're using multiple apps and multiple websites and creating profiles and then managing managing the contacts like Talking to people who are taught, you know, they're matching with the three, four, five different people and, and they're having conversations, that's taking up a lot of time. So yes, you could be completely fatigued when it comes to dating. And what do you do when you're tired? You take a rest. So how about resting your eyes, resting your brain, moving away from dating for now, and maybe simply just accept setups by friends and that's it. So 
When it comes to online or app dating, take a break and you decide when you're no longer tired. Coming up, treating genital warts. What's the best uh, way to do that? Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Last few minutes to get your uh, questions in, 514-800. Somebody says, uh, you don't, you are trying too hard. So this is for the guy who's dating. Just let nature do its thing that someone may find you instead of stumbling around in the dark looking for a glimmer of light. I was also going to say take a break, but now with the pandemic, it is easy to feel lonely and just want to chat with new people. I think this is a good time for self-reflection and maybe letting something happen naturally. Maybe go for a walk and say hello to somebody. Yeah, I think uh, meeting people now in real life is going to be difficult. I mean... Yes, I suppose you can go for a walk and stay six feet away from each other. Um, but um, having video calls with people is probably a, a better solution right now. Uh, I was recently diagnosed with genital warts. I just have one tiny small one. So the doctor gave me a prescription for this smelly cream that I put on it. She said if it doesn't work to come back and she'll try a procedure to get rid of it. I think she used the word freezing. I was a bit in shock at the time and didn't ask questions. What are some of the different ways to treat genital warts and what are the benefits or downsides of each? Which one is the least painful? Will there be scars left over? So yes, there are several ways to get rid of external genital warts. Do not use the, uh, the, the stuff in the pharmacy that for warts like that you have on your hands or your feet or anything like that. It's not the same. So don't, don't do that. Um, so yes, there is an ointment that you apply directly to the warts over a period of several weeks at home. There's another uh, method of a cream that the where the doctor uh, puts uh, uh, like a certain chemical on the warts once a week for a few weeks. Then there's cryotherapy, which is what you talk about, the freezing off of the warts. Then there's burning them off with uh, like an electrical current or having them like sliced off with a very fine, uh, fine instrument. Doesn't usually leave any, uh, scars. It sounds scary. Maybe this last option. Um, but it literally takes like seconds to do. And, uh, they usually freeze the area. It, it, it would, you would not, you would experience minimal, um, minimal, uh, pain actually. The other thing though you need to consider, I don't know how old you are, but you might consider getting the vaccine for uh, human papillomavirus. So maybe contact your physician who can give you all the information you need so that you can make a decision for yourself. I'm not here to tell you yes, no, maybe each of us is responsible for our own health and we have to make those choices ourselves. I personally um, recommended. I, I had my, my kids, uh, vaccinated, but some people don't believe in it for whatever reason. That's, that's okay. That's you, but you do your research. I've done mine. You do yours and you make a decision for yourself. I'm a shy guy in public places. So bars is not my thing to meet help. (laughs) 
P.S. Why are older women so attractive and seem to have a better sexual energy? Great question. So, okay. First of all, this is a good time for shy guys, okay, uh, to be making contacts with people via texts, like online, and then uh, video conferencing so that you you meet each other virtually, right, or digitally, and develop a, a friendship, a relationship, what have you, so that by the time you meet them in real life, you will be less shy because you'll have already established that rapport with that person, fa- like face-to-face, but, you know, on, on, on a device, obviously, right? In terms of why are older women so attractive and seem to have a better sexual energy is that older women tend to uh, be more self-assured when it comes to their sexuality. They It, it can take women... Uh, sometimes a few decades before they feel very, very comfortable in their skin and with their sexuality. It often has to do with how we're socialized as um, men and women. We, we talk a lot about male sexuality. Growing up, it's like male sexuality is, is applauded and we say, yeah, good for you, you're getting laid, yay. But we don't say that to women. You know, no, women are still, there's still a double standard that exists. So shaking off that double standard can take a few decades. And so older women tend to be just that much more uh, self-assured. That's it. And uh, this text writes in, because all the women know what they want. Well, and, and, and yes, the older women tend to know what they want and are not afraid to speak up to say, this is what I want, right? Uh, more on this topic, where can I meet MILFs or cougars? So this is older women speak. I'm just so attracted to them and I've looked endlessly on websites here in Montreal. They ter- all turn out to be scams. I just want to have that MILF experience. Well, I, listen, I except for going online, I really don't know where else you're going to find, especially if you don't tend to... Uh, to go out. So go out where women congregate, I suppose, or uh, I don't know. I really, anybody, can anybody help out here? Where do you meet uh, older women to have flings with? Uh, I would say the bet, your best bet is still online. So there aren't there, I think there are websites like Cougar, Cougar Life or Cougar.com or maybe even look for, uh, I don't know, seeking arrangements where there's women on there. I, I don't know. I, if anybody has any idea here, uh, please, uh, weigh in because I, I have rarely gone out to look for, uh, or never actually gone out to look for cougar women myself. And only a few times have discussed this, um, this issue. So I do know there are websites though, uh, specifically for that. Uh, what my Siri is completely embarrassing me all the time now. Oh, great. You just said that. (laughs) So that Siri just opened up on my phone. (laughs) Oh, seriously. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hi, Dr. Get that guy off the dating apps. He's not over the breakup yet. Okay. So for the guy who, uh, who wrote in. Uh, Thursdays is closed. Yes. Uh, Thursdays was the pickup place, right? They closed down even before all of this. Another text, right? Sadly, it's not the time to have a fling. No, definitely not the time. Uh, 
Uh, women smarter than men, more mature. We males cannot compete, according to this uh, texter. What do you mean? Competing? Why are we competing? For what? Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, if you would like uh, to send in your questions, obviously we're running a little bit out of time now for you to text them in, although maybe I could squeeze another one in uh, from you. I do have a couple of emails I can still share. If uh, you want to send in your emails, remember that at the beginning of every show, I do answer your questions as well. So I don't ever want you to wait too, too long before you get a question answered by moi. Uh, I was never circumcised as a child. I didn't really think much of it until I grew up. I've had quite a few women who were totally surprised to see that I, that I was uncircumcised when clothes came off. They literally had no idea what to do with it. It's not that I took it personally. I guess it just made me think that it's pretty uncommon for guys in my generation. I was, I don't know what generation he's in. I was wondering if it was possible to get circumcised as an adult. What are the benefits and drawbacks and how long is the recovery? Of course, you can get circumcised at any age, but it's usually performed on adult men who have an issue with their foreskin, like an issue I was talking about earlier at the beginning of the show, which is a phimosis, for example, a fused foreskin or some other skin issue. I mean, I understand the self-consciousness around here, but uh, nonetheless, it's still a decision. It's still a, a, a small surgery, albeit like it's a, it's not a terribly invasive surgery. It doesn't require hospitalization or anything, and recovery seems to be quite um, manageable. But don't know why you would want to do that if there is no issue with it. Um, anyway, we could talk more about that on another on another night. Circumcised or uncircumcised? That's always a big debate that uh, tends to uh, tends to happen. Thank you all so much for your uh, uh, texts, appreciated, and all for your emails as well. Remember, you can uh, email me to Lori at drlori.com. Thank you all. Thank you, especially to our technical producer, Dave Simon. On social media, find me at Dr. Lori Batito or drlaurie.com. Try and uh, watch the TEDx talk on uh, on YouTube, and let's get it up to a million views. You guys, help me out here. I think it'll be fun. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe, and remember to live your life with passion. 